everyone, and welcome back to the Rumcast. This, of course, is the podcast that talks all things rum-related with the people who love and shape it. Here to guide you on your rum journey are myself, John Gullah, and with me is one Mr. Will Hookinga. We have a great episode lined up today where we travel virtually to Canada to talk with founder of independent rum bottler Bira, Carl Mudzamba, and also, Will, we have a, a special guest, a special Canadian guest. We do. Making we, an appearance. we decided to just make it a, a Canada extravaganza on this episode. <laughs> I like that. And uh, we knew we also, in addition to learning all about Bira and Carl's philosophy and bottling rum and everything, we also just wanted to talk about the rum scene in Canada more broadly. And obviously, we got Carl's perspective there, but uh, we also brought onto the show Ivar Delat of rumrevelations.com, a website that we have mentioned on the show many, many times. times. I'm, sh- I'm mm-hmm. sure many listeners are familiar with Ivar's work there. He's in Toronto, so Carl's in Vancouver. They're on kind of almost opposite sides of the country, but able to share you know different perspectives on what being a rum lover in Canada is like. So it was really cool to, to uh, learn more about Bira and uh, also get Ivar's insight as well. So I'm looking forward to everyone hearing that. But uh, John, before we get there... I understand you were able to do a little rum tasting recently at an event mm. down there in, in Miami. I, I don't even know that I'd call it little because it was a lot of rum that was there. It was <laughs> overflowing. Um, but yes, I, I, I have the privilege living here in Miami of being right. able to attend the Miami Rum Congress annually and not having to travel. You know, and I guess a lot of people can't say that nice or aren't benefit. as fortunate. Yeah. Yes. So, yes, it, it was a nice event. Will, I know you you and I both attended last year. Yeah. Uh, and there was some some similarities and maybe some differences as well. Um, so this time it was actually in a, a really nice venue, the Miami Beach uh, Convention Center, mm-hmm. which okay. is a freaking huge building, by the yeah, way. I was going to say, because it was, at, it was at a hotel last year. And so when right. I hear convention center compared to hotel, I'm like, oh, like all of a sudden it sounds... Uh, big and cold and corporate kind of did it did it i mean did it still have a good vibe i think it did have a good vibe there was a little bit i mean you know look at the end of the day like you're saying it's still a big convention center which is kind of a blank canvas okay and you know the the miami rum congress as as much rum as was there you still can't fill a convention center (laughs) so you know it was in a uh, a smaller room off to the side or a few rooms i should say off to the side so there was i don't know probably like 25 30 different rum producers there like last year it had the rum talks or seminars Mm -hmm. on one day and then the following day was kind of the grand tasting event and uh, you know as always i'm i'm learning will because you know we talked about this before how you have to pace yourself oh, yeah. in these type of uh, things and uh, you know make some hard tough choices sometimes sometimes you see a, a producer that you're like yeah I know them and I love them but I'm gonna have to skip because if I don't I'm gonna be sloshed and my palate is gonna be burned by the time I want to get to try some of the other things that I haven't tried yet yeah so sometimes I, the tough decisions will save you the tough mornings the, it, oh, you know, the day ne- next day so yeah yeah I know it's always hard to kind of try to recap everything but when you just think back on the event right now because we didn't plan to talk about this so you know I, I, I <laughs> it didn't have you like prepare detailed notes or anything but yeah what just kind of stands out to you as like oh man these are the you know, two or three thing, rums that I really remember from that day. Oh man, that is tough. I, I will say thematically as I, as I bridge to answer your question and give myself time to think, um, <laughs> independent bottlers did feature largely. 
So there was, you know, at least three or four rum independent bottlers that I thought were, or distributors in in some cases that were showcasing their rums that were brought in that were very good. So, you know, you had a spaghetti Western imports for Dead Reckonings line that's now available in the the States and they were there, which was nice to see. That was really good because, you know, they also, I believe, do Samaroli. So that was good to see them at a show. And then you also had our, our good friends, Mike Streeter from Down Island was there. That's uh, right. Rolling Fork was there. Uh, and a few others also. I, I know I'm going to leave people out and people are going to be like, ha But, uh, <laughs> you know, there was, there was really good stuff what noise there. Are, what noise are you going to make? Ah, ah, he was so close to, you know, also mentioning that I was there. But there was also the the usual suspects for really good rum producers, you know, St. Lucia Distillers, St. James from Martinique, many others that, you know, yeah. were, were there and, and were doing their thing. So that gave me enough time to answer your question, which is what's some stuff that stuck out? Well, I will say uh, both Mike Streeter, he had a Ghanaian rum that he's bottling that I think is going to be really nice and people will really enjoy. Building uh, on rolling. the Africa discussion in our 100th episode and the excitement there. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, rolling Fork had some really nice bottlings as well. That's somebody I know we've got to eventually talk to because I know they are widely available in the States as well. And then mm, I, I did get to try some of those Martinique St. James, very old, I think it was 2001, the black uh, bottle they, ones? No, no. This those are the ephemeris, I think, and I tried okay. some of those too. But no, this was the one that was an aged. I can't remember. You caught me off guard with what it is, but it was a really, really good one. Really enjoyed that one as well. It stuck out. Uh, Romero rum was there again. That I told you the cask strength one of my rums of the year from Canada. So you know that was nice to see them also still there, and I think they were getting a warm reception from a lot of people. Yeah. So yeah, those are some that stuck out. There were plenty others. Well, I think it's interesting not only that you bring up the Canadian rum because we do spend some time talking about distilleries in Canada that uh, have stood out to both Carl and Ivar when we had them on together. The other thing that stands out to me is all the independent bottlers that you listed and them being from, you listed a couple from the US, you listed one from Australia, and here we are talking to the, I think the only one in, in Canada, at, at least the only one who's doing yeah, it like this style. The only style. one we know of. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, you know, that one of the things that came up in the 100th episode was the rise of the American independent, independent bottler. But really, I think we're seeing it be kind of the rise of independent bottlers outside of Europe, which is where yeah. that tradition is so long established and when the, where there are so, you know, loads and loads of independent bottlers there that have been doing it for decades in some cases. So it's exciting to see that type of rum business, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. popping up in other places, because at the end of the day, it just means more interesting rums being more right. accessible to more parts of the world that don't usually get all right. of those lovely more European people. IB releases. Yeah. So, And, you know, people wanting to put their own spin on it, you know, wanting mm. to do something different, which is something we talk about with Carl. You know, he's had, I want to say, three releases at this point under his belt. Yes. The first one being a, a Fijian rum from South Pacific Distillers, and then two uh, MOBAs from South Africa. So, you know, he right away kind of out of the gate started with stuff that is very offbeat, I would say, or not not just kind of run-of-the-mill standard releases. I mean, I guess you could argue Fiji. Atypical. Too. 
yeah, yeah. atypical like fiji to an extent if you're a rum nerd you've, you've probably seen a decent amount of fiji releases but you know, doing south africa moba i know some other independent bottlers did some moba stuff but that's still one that is relatively rare to see in the mm-hmm. wild out there so getting to hear his perspective on what he's trying to do with Bira, the unique challenges in Canada, and then getting kind of the consumer perspective from Ivar as well was really interesting. I'm excited for people to, to hear what they're up to up there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was a, and you know, Carl's a, a stand-up guy that clearly he cares about rum and, and not just seeing this as like, oh, I just want to bring a business to his local area. And yeah. that comes through very much. So it's always nice, you know, to see when you have some of these independent bottlers, as we're talking about, they really, truly care about rum and want to bring this rum to more people. They want more people to experience what they've experienced. Mm-hmm. And this is how they're choosing to bring that across. And well, we, we, we have to mention, Will, it's been a while since we've had the rapid fire segment. I and know. Finally, yeah. It makes a return this yeah. episode. Yeah, it's interesting because it felt like we did like 100 interviews for <laughs> the 100th episode, but none of them had the rapid fire component nope. because of the unique format of that episode. So as we got to that segment of the interview with Carl, I was like, when is the last time we did this? It's been like months <laughs> been at this point. Yeah, so yeah. Can, can we say the triumphant return of the the, the rapid fire segment? Yeah, we should uh, vuvuzelas and trumpets and <laughs> yep, triumphant return. All right. Well, on that note, we will take a quick break and get on over to the interview. All right, we are here with Carl Mutzamba, the founder of Bira Rum out of Canada. And Carl, I feel like everyone I talk to around the world or around the rum world that is these days knows you somehow. Like I have I have a, a friend here in town named Andrew who I think you know because he ended up with one of your bo- one of the bottles of the Fiji release at some point that he said he got from his friend Carl in Canada and I remember trying it and being like this is his first release. This is this is a really good Fiji rum. Um, and then, you know, recently we had Kate Perry come on the show again. And you know, she yeah. was like, you guys got to talk to Carl. He's the best. Uh, he's doing like really cool things in Canada. So I'm yeah. super excited uh, to finally have you here and uh, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you grew up in Zimbabwe played rugby professionally in different places around the world. I think New Zealand was one of them, if I'm remembering correctly. Now you've ended up in Canada and have been there for a while. I think in Vancouver, is that right? That's right, yeah, Vancouver. And so, like, how did rum enter the picture in this journey all over the world? I, I think I recall seeing in another interview you crossing paths with, with a bottle of El Dorado 15 at one point that may have kind of won you over. But where, like, <laughs> yeah. where did rum come into the picture in this kind of global journey you've been on? You know, uh, um, for me, like, you know, I'll, I'll start back in Zim. And I, I didn't spend many of my adult years in Zim, like uh, probably a couple, just post-secondary school. And then I, I went to mining school. So, I, you know, kind of know a little bit about extracting metal from rock. Uh, <laughs> okay. My family's in the business too, right? So, um, so Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, I played rugby at some point and that took me to Australia for a year. And then and then I went to New Zealand for twelve for two years and I stayed for 12. But like, going to New Zealand, play rugby there was... I would say probably like a Muslim going to Mecca for me because I was, when I got right. there, I was like, I am at home here, right? You know, because everyone knows the game there. Like, yeah, it was quite remarkable because you'd have like 
women, like older women, saying to you, oh, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did that. <laughs> just, just breaking that, the game that's down. That's not the common. culture there, yeah. <laughs> that's not common back home. Usually ladies are not that well invested in the game back home. So, and I was like, yeah, she's right, you know, like, you know, so I thought it on. Anyway, long story short, the few times that we did indulge, like most young adults, we drink, I would drink our fish of uh, rum and coke, right? So there's mostly the Bacardis and stuff. Like going back to Zim, the only cane spirit that we'd find that was made locally was mainstay, which is really more like a vodka, but it's made from strong sugar gauge. Um, okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, those, but I would probably see like Captain Morgan's around, but that was it. But Bacardi, the big brands that, you know, they're all over the world. And I go to New Zealand now. I had a friend of mine, his name is Nelson Gapare. He travels a lot, a lot for work and he still does to this day. He goes to some really exotic places with his job. And, and this is the guy that only drank beer. Or, you know, go, we'd go to bars as young people and he, he'd be always declining on the shots. You know, he'd be like, no, I'm mm-hmm. stuck to the beer. Anyway, long story short, I think around 2007, he gives me a call from, from the beach in Guyana somewhere. And he goes, you need to try this rum. And I was like, what? <laughs> you need <to> rum. <laughs> I was like, I got to, you know, I, I was like, I was, I was super interested. I was like, wow, it must be really good if he's drinking it because he doesn't normally drink spirits. So he brings this bottle of El Dorado 15. So I, uh, he sent it to me because he lived in Wellington. I lived in Napier on, on the Hawkesbury. And of course, he comes in with mail and I open it and I smell it. I was like, wow. Like the, the, the aroma was totally different to anything I'd ever tried before. And of course, poured in the glass and I tried it and I was like, wow, I was blown away. And I was like, and my wife, I said to my wife, you need to dry this stuff. And needless to say, the bottle was gone in three days. Like we, we kept <laughs> reaching for it. <laughs> so I, I was like, what else is out there, right? So that's where the rabbit hole kind of started. And, yeah. and I disappeared. Lost <laughs> Trying as many rums as I could along the way, of course. And, and naturally, then, you moved to Canada at some point where it's a, a, a rums are everywhere, right? <laughs> right, just all over the place. There, <laughs> it's a brutal place to love rum, but <laughs> things are, <laughs> but things are a lot better now, I must say. So yeah, when we came to Canada, also being in Vancouver is very close to Seattle and the rest of the states, right? So we yeah. kind of worked out how to, you know, you guys have a way better selection and 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 than we do over here, so. A lot of the rum, though, as I was going along, I, I got it from across the border. And when I traveled as well. So, um, when I came to Vancouver, I played a little bit of rugby still. My, 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 my club is right in the city in Stanley Park. So mm. a lot of our members, like if you compare that to suburban clubs, you pretty much have the same people because families stay in areas for years, right? So you get like, people know each other like very well. But our club is pretty transient because... We really attract the young players, the, the, the young Europeans and Kiwis and Australians who come over on work visas. So you will see a change of guards every two to three years as the visas expire and they go back to, to do mm. their home. Mm-hmm. So, but that's also an advantage to me because a lot of the, the players we have, are, most of them are European. And as you know, Europe is the make of a rub. So I'd always have really, really curious. They all knew. Like when they go home, they're like, oh, what do you want? I was like, just give me an address, that's all. And I'll get bottles sent to them. <laughs> so that helped in my, and I kind of like, in my, it, it helped in acquiring knowledge about the different rum styles up there. And, and also the reviewers. There's two reviewers are particularly important to me. Lance Rich Bali at The Lone Cana. Mm-hmm. And Stephen James at uh, The yeah. Rum Diaries. I, I had bought bottles blind based on the reviews because 
after a couple of, uh, you know, I kind of like, I was like, these guys like, you know, everything they say is, is pretty good. I, 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 I agreed with and And I don't think I've never missed the mark with any of them. So then we started, you know, started to get like things like clearance and all the fancy, funky stuffs. Yeah. And like most people, you know, the, the journey evolves. And I kind of, you know, I kind of, I turn towards more the, the car strength runs and the funky stuff like clearance and all sorts. So yeah, that's, that brought us to, what, to where we are today. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, knowing your first two releases were a pot still, Fiji rum, and then MOBA, I, I, it's a safe bet to assume that you like stuff that's, a, you know, a little bit more adventurous. Uh, exactly. For, for sure. So you mentioned Lance there. You read his reviews in Stephen James. I, I can't recall if I've seen a review of a Bira rum on, on Stephen's site, but I know Lance at least reviewed the Fiji one. I can't remember if he did the MOBAs or not, but right. when um, when his first review of one of your rums went live, how, how what was your kind of uh, mental state as you went to click on it? Were you nervous or were you like pretty confident that he was going to love it? Oh, I, was, I wasn't confident. I was, I just, I guess you kind of learn to have a thick skin because not everyone, these rums are not for everybody, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. And yeah. of course, uh, every time you see that not so favorable review, it kind of, you take it personally, but it's like, hey, you know what? There's a rum for everybody. So I was kind of prepared because a few people had reviewed our rums and the most of them were pretty good, but a couple were like, oh, okay, fair enough. You know, you didn't like it. Well, that's fine. But I was I was prepared, but it was more an honor, really, for mm-hmm. him to, to review the rum because, like, I read his blog religiously over the years and yeah. I've been to it for, you know, for, like, if I needed, like, if I was going to make, like I said, a blind purchase, I'm like, okay. He thinks it's pretty good, so it must be a decent bit for an outlay, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to take one quick step back. And oh. so you, you mentioned you're in Canada now, you're in Vancouver, and you're lucky because you know people who have access to some of these rums that, you know, unfortunately, you're not going to usually have on the shelves in Canada. But I yeah. also read that you were kind of like, well, man, I wish this were here on my local shelves, and that was kind of the impetus for Bira. But yes. I, I wanted to ask you, did that thought come to you all at once? Was it like an epiphany, like, I have to do this? Or was it more of like a slow realization over time of like, man, nobody else is doing this, so I guess it's on me? It was an evolution of a thought. So I'll rewind. When I obviously, at some point I realized, hey, I really love this beer. You know, so coming here, I guess also, this is a stage of my life too, like rugby one is no longer the, my, my number one obsession. So, mm. <laughs> you know, I'd say, so I was like, they you both know, start with yeah. RU though. So there you go. R- <laughs> right? Rum and rugby. It's, it's natural. It's like in the dictionary, it's right next to each other. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I, I figured I should try and, you know, get involved in the business somehow. So my first attempt was really at uh, being a distributor. But it, it turns out like enthusiasm is not enough. So the person would be like, okay, who else have you got in the portfolio? I'm like, well, you'll be the first one if you come along. And <laughs> they're like, yeah, you know. And I understand now, too, right? You want, yeah. and I fully understand. Like, so it was, and I, I, I'm not unhappy that they closed the door at the time, but it is what it is, you know. But it, it brought us to where we are today. So, yeah, I was like, yeah, well, let me see. So this is how it evolved. So a couple, I think I got close three times with two different brands. And in the end, it came down to who else do you have? And yeah. 
So I do want to talk about the the first few releases that you've done, because I think one of the things that stood out to me about you beyond just the quality of that Fiji rum that I mentioned, you so it was a 12-year-old pot still Fiji rum from right. South Pacific. I think it was a, a blend of nine casks. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Right. So you, you had that. Then you followed it up uh, a couple of releases that you sourced from MOBA. And one thing that stood out to me was how you didn't go through a broker for either of those releases. And I think kind of the, the new independent bottler, and I know that you're technically, I think, I think technically a labeler or something we can get into the, when we talk about Canada a little more uh, later and the quirks there. But generally what we see is new independent bottler, they source, you know, maybe a couple of single casks from Sheer or Main Rum or something like that. And they come out with those releases. You know, it's uh, maybe three, four hundred, five hundred bottles or something like that. But you've got this over thousand bottle uh, bottle release that you source directly from Fiji, and then these two releases that you went directly to Mo before. So I, I guess the question I had is just how were you kind of able to go direct to distillery from day one? When I feel like with other independent bottlers we've talked to, they have to kind of like work their way up to that, you know, and like build the relationships and everything. So what was that process like for you? Honestly, I just asked the question. <laughs> just knocked on like, the door? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, you know, I, you know, I, I, there weren't the only people I kind of hit up. There was a couple of other people that were like, ah, you know, maybe not. Or maybe mm-hmm. wanted to see what we'll do. Maybe if I go back now, they might have a change of mind. But I, I just asked the question because I'd heard rumors about Fijian rum not being available to everybody. Yeah. Because of links to a big company we all know. Right? So I, my... My original idea was to bottle a new make CG spirit, like a new make pot still, because my research, I showed that no one else had done it except one bottler in France, I think L'Esprit, are they called? Okay. I think that's they right. Yeah. like a, a brute of a rum. It was like 80 something percent, yeah. like full And I had never come across any other one around. And I was like, you know what? Let me see if I can do that. So... My initial conversations with the with with Liam Costello, mm-hmm. he, he was then the head distiller. I was like, I just give me a couple of new experiments. Let's see what you got. So he sent me some samples, and I was like, okay. But then I came stuck because my bottler, they so technically into Canada, you cannot import new make bulk rum. It has to be aged at least a year. Really? So that was a sticking point. So I was stuck, and I was like, okay, what do I do now? Like they were like, we can't do that. They wouldn't. I'd be like, what if you just what if I pretend that it's been filtered? They're like, no. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they're like, no, you can't do that. I was like, okay, fine. So that's why we ended up with the 12 year, which is not a bad uh, compromise. Right. Just different. Yeah. Just different. So, so if, if you wanted to import some unaged rum into Canada with the intent to age it there, even that, they'd be like, no, you can't do that. It has to be aged a year before it crosses the border into here. Friendly. Wow. That's wild. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's the rule, unfortunately, with Balkan. But hey, if it's in bottles, you can bring it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure, right? <laughs> so, and you started this venture around, when was that exactly that you were doing that? What year would that have been? I think it was 2021. We started. Okay. I think so we went live. We went live in 2021. Yeah. Right. So this is probably, you know, percolating in your mind around then or maybe even 2020, but it's been a few years. And yes. if you could tell yourself a few things that would help you save time, money, or maybe heartache, 
now, you could tell that to your former self, what would some of those things be? I would. <laughs> Other than that you can't bring in new make rum. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I would have got with my bottler earlier because I lost a lot of time. Was what I would really want to was a bottle in BC, where I live, in, in, in the province. Yeah. It makes it easier just with the way the product would be priced, et cetera, et cetera. Also being at home, at least I'm closer to, to the action, right? Right, right. Because my bottle is on the easternmost point of Canada. So I'm like directly, uh, on, I'm on the western coast and they're like in Newfoundland. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's not a small country. Yeah. No, it's huge. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's crazy. Like getting the Fiji over, I had to, it landed at the port. And then I had to get it across the country. Wow. And on rail, it costs, it costs more money for the, for the land leg than it did for the ceiling. Wow. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's oh, super man. interesting. And then oh. bring it back the other way in bottles. <laughs> oh. Wait, yeah. I, I feel like this is a good time then to talk about the, this bottler distinction. Because I, I think some listeners will, will be listening and being like, wait, I thought, I thought that Carl was the bottler. Why is he talking about having a bottler? Can you explain how that works in Canada and why it's a little different than other places? Okay, well, obviously, the liquor laws, even down there in the States, you know, you know what it's like. like oh, yeah, the, yeah. With the different states and the requirements. Yeah. Pretty heavily regulated. Whereas in Europe, I get the feeling that someone can just, as long as you have the right premises... You can pretty much set up your shop. Uh, it's a lot easier to do those things. And which kind of makes sense with the way they do the single cast releases. You can just set up shop and literally everything's done by hand. Whereas my bottler is, uh, they, they do other, packing for other brands. So they, they have lots of experience, like for, uh, over 40 years. They have lots of experience and they, they have scale as well. And they're also, because of economics, they, they only deal in certain minimum quantities. So I needed, they were only working thousand liter lots. So I had to get a blend. I was forced to get a blend of, that's why we had to get nine casts for the first one. Okay, to so that's why you couldn't just do one single cask at a time, yes. that kind of, okay, gotcha. Yes, as opposed to, if, 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 I think if I'd got a distillery around here, it would have been, would have been possible to do the single cast things. Because then it's easy, I can actually go give them a hand while we, with a, if we're going to be putting wax on the tops and all that stuff, you know, yeah. all the hand stuff, we could do it. So when you went through the process, doing the Fiji, doing the MOBAs. I assume you have some in the works now that you're working on. What is kind right. of your process for selecting a rum to bottle? Do you, because I think there's a, a number of ways to go about this. And I'm curious, do you start from the mindset of this particular, I want something from this particular region or this particular distillery, or is it more from the standpoint of like, I'm looking for this type of rum, and then you start looking around, like, what is step one of figuring out what to release first or next? Well, for, 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 for our project, what we, I, I, I think that the traditional source countries for rum, they're very well represented in the market. Even now here in North America, Europe as well. So I, I wanted to kind of do something a little differently in that way. I want to, we always look at, so if anything, what, anything that appeals to me is, 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 is there rum and is it from some obscure part of the world? Mm. Some, you know, the less well-traveled part for, 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 for sourcing rum. So that's usually the first qualifier. But in saying that, I'm not saying that we will not bottle Caribbean rum down the bottom. Actually, our next releases are coming from, they're from Guadalupe. Ah, from, very yeah. cool. Uh, we have uh, actually in the next, well, hopefully in the spring, we'll bottle them. We have two rums coming from Guadeloupe, from Pelabar, but these were aged in Europe. So what happened is that I, I think there was some guy who was doing some project 
some rum arrange project, I think. And the project followed through, but they had like 25,000 liters of, of rum. Nice. So they put it in cognac casks, and it's pretty good. Like it's, so we're going to bottle two versions. One spent a few months in bourbon casks too. So that's the variation of those two rums. One is just going to be purely cognac casks, and the other is it spent six months in, 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 in bourbon casks. And okay. then the third one is a Venezuelan one. This is a 15-year-old rum. Okay. It's full tropically aged. This one I got help from from Knut because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. actually Knut is pretty central in all this. He's, I think in this business you need help. Some, sometimes to get into places you need help. And he, you know, as Knut speaks all these rum languages, uh, Spanish and it's, it's French and, and English. So yeah. he pretty much has access to most people. He knows a lot of people there. Yeah. So he helped us get the Venezuelan as well. Gotcha. And I, yeah, I'm yeah. assuming maybe was involved with MOBA in some capacity too. Yes, yes. Because yeah. he was he was doing a lot of work for them abroad here. So that's kind of like our focus. I want to 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 show people that, you know, rum is just as good from other parts of, from the less known sources, source country. Right. right. Yeah. So, so one, one like part B to this question real quickly before we move on. Once you have identified kind of where you want the rum to come from, what is the process for identifying what to bottle from them? And I, I'm guessing it's some blend of, you know, what's available and kind of the the Perlebat stuff, for example, kind of sounds like sort of a unique circumstance that pointed mm-hmm. you to these specific rums. But do you go through like a, a tasting panel? Do you just get a bunch of samples and like hunker down at home tasting stuff? Or do you, <laughs> do you bring in other people and kind of vote on stuff? I know different... People we've yeah. talked to have different approaches for this. So, so what's your approach? I approach like I, I, I hit them up. Obviously, I'm like, hey, I'd like some rum. If you know, you, you guys are you're, you're interested in this, and uh, and they'll and I'll obviously I'll ask the question of what's available, and then they'll get some samples for me, and they'll send them over. To date, it's just my wife and I. My okay. wife is a my wife is a vino, but she is very good at <laughs> describing spirits in the flowery part. I. I, I'm only good for yes or no. I, I <laughs> yeah. can't tell you that, you know, can you pick up diesel patrol in this and stuff. But I, if I chase around, I can just, you know, it's, it's a yes or no for me. Mm-hmm. We're still going to detail like that. So we just, we sit around with the cat, with a sample for a couple of days and, you know, we revisited a few times and then we're like, yeah, she like the, the Morbus, she definitely loved the whiskey cast one, the, the one with the yellow label. Mm-hmm. He was like, you need to get that for sure. That was the, the South African whiskey cask? That's is that right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's the one who's like insisted that we get that one. So Nice. Yeah, yeah. Ever have any big disagreements over, you know, which which rum is the best? You know what? With all the picks so far, it's been a winner. Well, she's just like, yep, that that's good. That's good. Done. You yeah, guys so are just, no you're just disagreement in sync. today. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That simplifies yeah. things, probably. Yeah, it does. It's kind of like, well, if you don't agree, it's on to the next sample, right? So, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and, and you're married, so you know, there's that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you've you've accomplished at this point bringing in a few of these releases, and then you've talked about you're bringing in more releases into the BC, British Columbia, and I, I know you're also distributed in Alberta. And yes. I, I was wondering at this point, have you also now thought about? whether you're going to be expanding into other provinces within Canada or is it, is the goal really to just keep bringing these good rums into your areas there and provinces and then see how that continues to, to go? No, we definitely want to get into other provinces, uh, especially Quebec. That's a, yeah. pretty, a very important rum market. 
But that's like so, like Quebec and Ontario, obviously because of the numbers, it's a bigger market. Right. But those are those provinces have just, it's just the government involved in liquor sales and distribution. So it's not easy to get into them. Like they, it's not like Alberta where you can just show up and like, I've got this, which is it done. You have to go through a whole dance to get through. So we're working on Quebec. I'm hoping that this year we can get in now. Yeah. So Quebec and Ontario, I'll be very happy to get into them. And then, and then obviously there's an export thing we've been trying to develop to across to you guys in the States and Oh, Europe. okay. Yeah, All right. But My we, ears perked still, up a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're still working through that. Hopefully, you know, maybe this year will come online too. So, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just put it, put it, I know you're probably already considering John's state of Florida, but I just want to put yes. slip Tennessee in for consideration as well. Okay. Just right on. <laughs> don't know. You don't have to make any promises now. I'm just saying, yeah, you know, yeah. add it to the yeah. list of uh, consideration. Yeah. Add it. Yeah. There's, there's at least 10 or 20 people in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> that would be great. You know, there's more yeah, than that. Florida, Florida, we've got a whole thing going on here. So I'm just saying, you know, Florida, yeah. then Tennessee. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, you you mentioned mainstay earlier the the yes. cane spirit that was around in, in Zimbabwe growing up and from your description you said it's almost like vodka so it kind of sounds like probably distilled to a very high proof uh, yes. so even though it comes from cane juice it probably doesn't taste like a rum agricole or something I'm guessing yeah. is that right Yeah yeah it's 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 really like I, I think last time I was home I tried it even to where I was at I was like this stuff <laughs> is like oh, it's different like, yeah. it's like this is not like any rum there is out there. Like, it's, yeah, it's like rocket fuel, really. But, okay. Yeah. So, I, we, we, you know, one of the things that we've been hearing a lot lately and starting to see also are a lot of different releases coming out of Africa and, and just a general level of excitement for rums coming out of Africa amongst rum yeah. enthusiasts. So, you know, other than Mainstay, did you see any other rums growing up in Zimbabwe, you know, maybe from other countries around the continent, or is that something you've been more seeking out more recently with like the, the MOBAs, for example, and stuff like that? It's definitely seeking out more recently because obviously when I was young, as you're young, you know, young people don't drink that much. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that much. Yeah. So they, they probably were, I just wasn't aware of it at right. the time. You know, and only when you're young, you're trying all sorts of different stuff. So, yeah. But definitely now, obviously, with what's happening like in Réunion and, and Seychelles and Mauritius and mm-hmm. obviously South Africa now, there's, there's a bit more talk about rum games. And I've seen some indies bottling Ghanaian rum and, and all sorts. So, yeah, that definitely, definitely exciting. Definitely exciting. That, that's something you would maybe be considering for the future for Bira as well? Oh, absolutely. Maybe down the line, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I'm. Uh, it looks like Ivar is here, so I'm going to go ahead and right. let him in. There he is. Hey, hey, uh, Ivar. Hey, hey, hey. How you guys hey, doing? Hey, Ivar. Hey. Welcome. Sorry to disturb your meeting. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for joining us. Um, it's it's it feels strange to be talking for the first time, having yeah. read your stuff for so long and watched so many videos. So thanks for thanks for kind of popping in last minute. Well, uh, it's the same way from me to you. So, you know, I've been listening <laughs> to your guys' stuff so much and uh, I've always enjoyed it. So, you Thank know. you. Um, no, I mean, we, we've we been wanting to have Carl on for a while. And so a couple days ago, John and I were texting. We we're like, you know, we, we've got some questions about Canada and we know Carl and Ivar know each other. So why not see if, if he can hop on and, 
add a little, you know, perspective to the Canadian scene. But so, yeah, yeah thanks for thanks for jumping on. No worries. And, and Carl and I like each other, too. So that's a benefit. That helps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was hoping so. I, I actually figured it could go either way. If you guys like each other, it would be nice. But if you don't like each other, maybe some fireworks would fly, you know? <laughs> no fireworks. <laughs> Sorry. Ivar, I, I know we both wanted to kind of ask a few questions. R really, it's more of like a mini panel here, right? So as we ask these, I, I'm sure you both have thoughts on them with regards to rum in Canada in general. But I think a good place to start might be that you're both involved with the Rum Club Canada Facebook group, I know. And there's an obvious benefit there to connecting rum lovers through that platform, especially in such a broad geographic area such as Canada, which, Carl, we were just talking about. But I also know we've, we've heard from others that this can be very challenging online, in the, in the, to, to put it nicely, right? It can be a challenging experience online with these groups. I, I wanted to ask what your experience has been, both of you, and what your philosophy behind fostering a good environment to help others explore the category is with that Rum Club Canada group. Well, Carl is walking away, so I guess that means I'm <laughs> answering the question. <laughs> um, well, you know, I have, to, I, have to, I have to go back to where I started the group, which is probably six years six or seven years ago um where it, the landscape looked different than it does now in canada yeah. and and there really was no rum you could get that was anywhere decent well we had appleton and and mount gay and other than that depending on your preferences you could find you know diplomatico and Captain Morgan and, and and that kind of stuff and and i i started the group just to with the thought hey maybe it can be used as a bit of an educational platform to get people together who are interested in rum and and open their eyes to what's available, you know, outside of Canada because it it's we, we are so starved for good rum here. They're just as good as nothing, thanks to the the monopolies that we have here, liquor monopolies. So that was a start, the idea, and um, the, the only thing I did at the start was just post uh, articles about rum and and um, uh, about distilleries and and you know just to get the information flowing and looking back now the way it is now is that it's become a group with now it's not massive we don't want or need it to be massive but it, it's grown to uh, i think about 1800 members or something like that and um, you see that I've, I've seen the journey of a lot of people who came into that group started as oh well i'm drinking whatever bacardi or, or whatever it is and and um, you know six months later they're 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 talking about hamden funky rums and and whatever which is great i i yeah. love watching these journeys of people and 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 you know it's not going to be like that with everybody there's a lot of people that who don't post they just read and and they might love bamboo or or, or something that i i don't love so but that's okay you know there is no i think it's a group that doesn't have that really fierce hey i'm gonna i'm gonna slit your throat if you like bamboo kind of attitude we, we don't have that you know it's also because it's canadians and canadians tend to be you know pretty nice to each other um, <laughs> i've heard that before <laughs> yeah, yeah well you know it's somewhat true i you know yeah anyway um um but it, it i mean it's definitely a group that's leaning towards the non-sugared flavored stuff and that's probably because i'm running it and the and the the, the mod group as a, as a whole is drinking non-sugared flavored stuff. So I mean that that's maybe kind of the theme. 
but it's not being policed or anything like that. Like everything is welcome in a sense. And um, um, I've I've heard many people say, hey, you know what? I'm drinking this and this rum because of RCC, which, yeah, I mean, that's great. That's what it was for, really. I don't know and, if that covers your question. but Yeah. Um, and, and just to make sure for, for everyone listening. So, Carl, you're in Vancouver, right? Yep. In British Columbia. And Ivar, where are you at exactly? I'm in Toronto. Toronto. Okay. No, okay. So, yeah, pretty far ends. Yeah. Um, it's, on that note, one of the things, you know, we've we've made or kind of hinted at, uh, and, and you just explicitly mentioned the kind of the lack of availability historically in Canada. But if you guys, I'll pose this to both of you, if each of you were to walk into um, kind of like what is thought of, thought of as like a generally solid, good quality liquor store in your area, so in Vancouver and one in Toronto, what is the rum shelf going to look like typically now? What what kind of brands are rum enthusiasts noticing when they walk in those doors? I know Evo speak for himself, but we we have in BC we have a mix of government stores and, and private stores. So there's a couple some stores depending on their leaning, you can tell. You, I, well, I know the, the 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 shops in BC that are after them like rum like we have. So when you go into those shops, they're going to have rums that, that are not even carried in the gum stores. And more like, you know, obviously some of these shops carry our brands too. But they have other interesting rums along in the same kind of genre of, of the rums that we have. Um, yeah, so they'll get, you'll, you know, a few more agricoles showing up, some Carscan spirits. I know there's rums like from Kill Devil around and Plantation with their single cash releases and all that. So... It's, it's definitely a lot better than it was like five or six years ago. What about Toronto compared to that, Ivar? It's much worse compared to that because <laughs> we have the LCBO. So you said your random liquor store. No, we only have the LCBO. There's nothing else. Uh, so the LCBO is the government monopoly in Ontario, uh, Liquor Board of Ontario. And um, what will I find on the shelves there? Well, a lot of bottles of Bacardi. Um, I once uh, sent a picture to a, a buddy of mine who has a liquor store in Holland. You probably know him, Richard Blesgraaf. Mm -hmm. And he asked me, why are there so many of the same bottles of Bacardi? Like, <laughs> well, because that's what they love to sell. It's volume. It, you know, it's easy selling. And, and these brands, they pay to be on those shelves. Mm. Um, so you'll find lots of Bacardi, lots of Captain Morgan. Uh, and then the sugary stuff, Diplomatico, Zacapa, um, Appleton has has a big presence. Some Mount Gay here and there that's kind of um, uh, yeah. become a little bit less. Uh, some random stuff here and there that yeah. comes in and out. Yeah. But but Basi that's basically it. it's brands owned by super large corporations. Yeah, uh, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and so I mean, if if you. If, if a brand wants to get into the LCBO, and they want to because LCBO is one of the biggest liquor buyers in the entire world. So they want to, but it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, the first question they ask a brand is, uh, how much money do you have to spend on marketing? Uh, and because they're not going to market. They're not going to do anything, really. And is that a code uh, word, say, marketing? It was like, <laughs> marketing, like, how much money are you slipping us? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Ivar, you've been kind of long suffering under the selection in Canada. When you heard that there was going to be an independent bottler starting in Canada, that being Carl at Bira, 
What was your reaction to that? Were you like, oh, this is great? Or it sounds like maybe you knew right away it wouldn't be coming to Toronto, you know, mm-hmm. at least at first anyway. Or were you like, this person must be crazy? What was kind of, what was your reaction there? Well, I was going to say, yeah, I think my question was, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, rules and regulations are so um, difficult for anybody here, for independent bottlers and for dis- distillers, it's even worse. The amount of red tape and the amount of cost a lot of them can't sell anywhere. They can only sell within the distillery. They can't even get it in these stores. It's super difficult. So when he said that, I'm like, wow, man, that's, you know, I feel that we owe him in that sense because that's a massive step financially, but also time-wise. I mean, this is not his full-time job. He's doing that on the side just because he has that passion and that he wants to see better rum in the stores. And, you know, I mean, that's been my goal, but I would have never taken this step. I've taken the step of being online and informing people of what's out there and then trying to make people more educated, which I think is another part that's really important to get people to want rum. I mean, if people don't know what's out there, then they're never going to ask for it. So that's kind of my angle. But he's, you know, really grabbed the cow by the horns and said, I'm going to bring some good rum into Canada, which is, yeah, I think it's amazing. It seems like those two things work together really well, right? Educating people and then also you have to bring in the good rums and continue to have them for people to try and and experience and understand the difference, right? And yeah, kind of along those same lines, one thing I wondered about, and this is my lack of uh, knowledge of Canada in general, uh, is I know it's a very broad country and we talked about there's a lot of differences and Carl, you're over on the, the west side in British Columbia and then Ivar, you're in Toronto and then there's Quebec, on the other side, which, you know, I, I, my understanding of the, the history of that, that's more of a, a French area, you would say, or colonial French. So yeah. is the rum scene there far different than it is in other provinces? Uh, and and how does that all kind of bleed into itself, or, or if it does at all, in terms of across the Canadian province borders? The French being French. You like French? <laughs> the French? The French people, they like... I don't even probably confirm everything cane juice is gold to them. Right. Everything cane juice runs like they that's their thing. But I find also generally there's a lot more knowledge of rum in, in Quebec than most of the other provinces. Of course, because they're closer to the Caribbean and they usually have strong ties with France, with mainland France too. But that's what I was saying to you before that that's this is the current battle right now. We need to get into the because I think it will help a lot if we have a presence there. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, yeah. I don't know, what do you think, Ivan? Yeah, it is definitely different. Uh, yeah. They, they, yeah, you're right about that Kenju stuff. They, they, I mean, the fact that they have Claren in, in the SAQ, which is their LCBO, basically, is another government monopoly. That that tells you a lot, and and you know the, some of the Quebec members in RCC, um, they regularly go to Martinique, you know, uh, which yeah. people from Toronto. Probably wouldn't do. They would go to Barbados or, or Jamaica. You see a lot of them go to Jamaica and they go like, oh, I'm at Appleton. What should I bring? And, 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 and But then you see people from Quebec, they're going to Martinique and they go from distillery to distillery to distillery. Yeah. They come back with a massive haul of bottles. Yeah, very different. And it's just because of cultural difference. You know, right. It's, right. It's, yeah. It really sounds very similar to the U.S. in a lot of ways, right? Because you know, certain states, like you've pointed out in in uh, Florida, John, especially in Miami, you know, there being 
large Cuban, Puerto Rican populations and things like yep. that. You'll see a lot of um, Latin American rum brands in states like that that you don't find elsewhere. And, you know, we also have you know, a large number of states that have state run liquor monopolies as well. Mm-hmm. Um to very varying degrees of uh, inconvenience to the average rum enthusiast. I think some of those states actually aren't bad. And some of them, it's just like, you know, sounds very similar to, to what you're dealing with there in Toronto. Um, I did, I, I wanted to ask about what would you guys, and, and well, Carl, you've kind of spoken to this already, but Ivar, when you're looking at what independent bottlers are doing right now, and you don't have to answer answer this specifically in relation to Bira, but just in general, what are you as a rum enthusiast wishing or hoping to see more from IBs in, in the coming years, just in types of releases, styles, what kinds of things like are on your wish list? You know, I, I can tell you what the wish list and that's the answer to your question, but I'd like to answer it slightly different, to be honest. Oh, go for it. IBs can bring in whatever they like. And, and for example, what happens now a lot is that People in Toronto are ordering rums from stores in Alberta because Alberta is a province where it's open market. So a lot of rums coming in there. And if an IB wants to bring something into Canada, it's much easier to just go to Alberta. And then they hope that people in Ontario are going to buy most of it, which is, you know, cumbersome. And and, um, uh, we have seen Holmes Key tried it that way. And it, it was hard. But in the end, my wish list is massive because, you know, I'll invite you. I hope one day you come to Toronto and walk into an LCBO and you'll see what I mean. I think top of my wish list is the LCBO going away because that is what's stopping everything here. And that's never going to happen, I think, because the government is, is you know, they're just loving the LCBO. It is a cash cow. Plus, they have control over what we're drinking, which is insane in, in, in 2024, I think, but but that's the way it is. And the stores they have, their their staff members are all uh, unionized, they're unionized, so they get paid very well. These unions are very powerful. So it's very difficult to get rid of the LCBO. I think the government doesn't want it, even though Alberta has shown that they've moved from this kind of monopoly to open market. And the, the the tax revenue has increased for the government, which makes sense to me. Because if you put you know, people that are passionate and they want to have their own stores and they and they they really, you know, you, you'll have maybe a niche store in whiskey and one in rum and whatever, you're going to sell more. And 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 I think that would be fantastic if they did that, but very unlikely. But if that would happen, all of a sudden you you'll see smaller brands willing to invest in Ontario because they do not have that barrier anymore. I mean, everywhere I go, when I go to distilleries, it doesn't matter where it is in the world, or I talk to people that are in the industry and I mention LCBO, all of them are like, oh God, oh, (laughs) so difficult to deal with, so difficult to... I I talked to a distributor in Europe once who deals a lot with the, um, uh, the monopolies in Scandinavia which apparently are difficult to deal with. And you said, yeah, they're difficult. Kind of. said, but compared to the LCBO, easy peasy. <laughs> the LCBO, terrible. So that's what we're dealing with here. A lot of brands just don't, you know, uh, I hear stories, okay, we tried to get in the LCBO. We got to the tasting panel. I'm like, okay, great. And well, then what happened? Well, then they just said, no. Like, what do you mean? Just no. Well, just no. There was no explanation, nothing. Okay, great. You know? Wow. 
And that's just how it goes on and on and on and on and on. The only thing they care about is look into the world and they see what sells a lot. Oh, Bamboo sells a lot. Diplomatico, Zacapa, this is what we're going to sell. And that stops every sort of way in for an IB because IBs are too small. They're not going to be able to get into the LCBO. They won't have the money to invest to get into the LCBO. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And I see how kind of certain things are are now working together with some of your you're very vocal about your objection to sugared rums and and lack of transparency from some brands. And I see how that now also works with the LCBO thing there. Um, very opaque for, tasting panels, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know Ivar, you're doing your part. You mentioned uh, you know on your website Rum Revelations, and you've got a sugar list there. And, mm. and Carl, the uh, Bira products you're bringing in are no additives and cask strength at that. Um, it's a challenge. Carl, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, and I wanted to kind of bring up the subject of how do you interact with someone who is either new to rum or who loves rum already, but doesn't seem to have the same understanding or passion about additives in their rum, or maybe just someone who even just prefers it sweet or sweetened. How, how do those conversations go, and how do you kind of navigate that? Well, they go two ways. So, right. In I'm, I'm standing in front of them and I have all our rums in front of them. And one of my first questions I ask is, do you, what do you, what's your, what's your point of choice? You know, red or rose, maybe Romatico or Zapkappa. And quite often it goes, I like my rum sweet. Or people will say to you, I don't like rum because it's sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I'm like, okay, try this. What do you think? That also goes two ways. Some of them find them too aggressive, but some of them, you can see it in the eyes. They're like, wow. Okay, this is different. They're like, this is not rum. I give that a lot. They don't mm-hmm. believe that it's rum. And I'm like, that's rum. Those are the kind of rums we deal with. And You're like, I think I would know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring something different to the market. Ivar, do you have any thoughts on that? Ivar's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of spaced out there for a second. No, no. I... <laughs> No, I, I think that um, that situation you come across anywhere anywhere in the world. For sure, really. yeah. It's just that I think in general in Canada, people aren't as educated about rum as they are in most other countries. And and I think that's the the biggest challenge is get people educated. But And, and for example, bartenders could, could play a massive role in that. But if you don't have the rum available, then how are you going to do that, right? And, and, and that's the thing, like... Everything we discuss here, the road at some point comes to LCBO. It's it, Everything stops because of LCBO. If you don't have the rum, people are not going to know about it. They're not going to be able to educate anybody about it. A brand is not going to come in here because they can't sell their bottles. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's like some have. Like Richard Seal has been here before there was even any Foursquare available, and it still isn't, but he's had some of these limited releases. By the way, he calls us the our territory here the the North Korea of rum. So I've heard that one before. Yeah, <laughs> that gets you an idea what, what he th- who, how he feels about it. But that's that's the the problem. I think education is great, and and when people come to me about rum, I mean, on a much smaller scale than what what Carl is doing. But I have meetings at my house where I have a, a lot of rum and a lot of different rums, and 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 the reactions I get mostly is, is that rum? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. not rum. Really, is that yeah. rum? 
And 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 the beauty is that you know, in the end, I ask, so what were your favorites? And I'm always surprised, always surprised. And, and people always tell me, oh, well, no, no, these sweet rums, people need these sweet rums to get into rum. It's absolute nonsense, 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 nonsense. When I give people rums, I'll give them a, a variety, uh, agricole uh, or molasses rums from all different countries. And then in the end, they pick, like the last time that somebody picked um, an unaged agricole <laughs> as their favorite. They're like, how is that even possible? <laughs> it, 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 so it's all about how you, um, um, I think, how you bring it to people, how you present it to people. Um, and, and, and no, it's not true that we need these sugary rums. It's just that people buy them because they love sweet stuff. These brands have the biggest marketing uh, money available, so they're all, always on the shelves where everybody sees them. They're pretty bottles, and, and and that's why people buy them. But And that's fine. Don't get me wrong. If that's what you like, great. But no, I don't agree with the statement that people say, oh, well, we need them because that's how people have to start in rum. No, absolutely mm. nonsense. Mm. You know, one of the other things that I've been seeing more recently it are mentions of rum producers in Canada. So not people bringing rum in, but just people distilling, making rum in Canada. I know John was kind of singing some praises of the Romero distillery, which is in Alberta. What have you guys seen from kind of the efforts of domestic distillers up there? How do you kind of, is there excitement about rum being made in Canada? Do you have excitement about it? Carl, is that something like is that something that could be interesting to you to you at some point as a bottler? Uh, Ivar, have you had many experiences with those distilleries up there? Yeah, like I, I there's definitely some that kind of stand out to me. So I've been following their progress over the last couple of years. Obviously, Romero. I tried. They had a cast strength. Just issued a cast strength sherry from this rum. That's not bad at all. Like it's really. I was like, wow, this is Canadian rum. And Rosemont, uh, you know, they have a couple of decent ones there. Rosemont Day from, from Montreal, Moonshine Creek on New Brunswick, and Carol's Distillery. Hmm. This Carol's guy, he he has this like high ester rum he put out. It's very similar. It's a, it's got some similarities to the to the one from Savannah, I think. There's this really? I find, cool. Yeah, so he was he did the, the long fermentation thing with them, and I was like, wow, it's not bad for a first attempt, you know. And he has other you know kind of solid lines there too. So. Those guys are kind of keep on eye on, and hopefully one day, yeah, maybe we can work together somewhere. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's my my ears perked up when you mentioned the high ester because I've had both very good and very bad experiences with distilleries outside, you know, commonly yeah. known rum producing regions saying that they have a high ester rum. Sometimes you yes. get it and you're like, oh wow, this actually is pretty impressive. And then other times you get it and you're like. Do you know what an oh. ester is? Like, what? <laughs> are you sure this is high ester? Um, but yeah, so that's that's really cool. Um, Ivar, yeah. do you, do you have any thoughts to add there? Yeah, it's um, I, it's mostly of the the ones that Carl mentioned. Yeah, Moonshine Creek, I think, is one of the more outstanding ones. You see them mentioned on RCC a lot as well. Yeah, um, I actually took some samples to um, uh, London Rum Fest. Uh, one day, and I, I let some some heavyweights of the industry, let's call them that way, I let them let them taste taste some of this without telling them what what it was, and and um, they all were like, yeah, it's pretty nice, it's good, it's, well, it's solid, it's, uh, and I told them, well, it's from Canada, they're like, what? 
<laughs> Canada, yeah, this is Canada, and and you know that that's a massive compliment to to these distillers, and they a lot of them are you know kind of starting up, and they haven't been around for that long, so they they're still trying to figure things out, and yeah. and which is understandable, and and they don't have the capital to have massive inventory of barrels, so you're gonna get like batch differences where one is great and the other one maybe not as great. Um, right. uh, North of Seven is another distillery that's in Ottawa right. that had an amazing, absolutely amazing rum that I also took around to a few bars and people were like bartenders were like this is Canadian rum, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you can buy it and it's like fifty bucks and why wouldn't you? Just to kind of push the envelope on, you know, you don't need to go across the border. You can also have some good Canadian products. And, and I think we should support that because if we can't get it from across the border, then we might as well make it here and, and, right. and done, right? But what well, is the LCBO going to allow that even? I feel like I know the answer to this. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, they're not the LCBO. <laughs> Uh, no, you have to. You have to. Uh, they have to mail it. But uh, even that was 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 not allowed for since I don't know, uh, Carl. I don't know if you, is it now allowed or not? Because we used to be really in the Middle Ages. We, you couldn't even take alcohol across a province border. I mean, it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I think they have. There's gray areas that some of these retailers work around. The the bird ones especially. That's why we we started the obviously because it's also easier to get in. But they they have. Some of the lowest liquor taxes in the Western Hemisphere, so it makes our products a lot more affordable to a lot more people. So, just to give you an example, the retail price difference is seventy dollars with BC and and Alberta. Seventy, seventy bucks. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mm. So our rum is just shy of two hundred dollars here in BC. So you can imagine it's got to be someone who really likes rum. Yeah. To to put out such an outlay. Whereas in Alberta, it's about $120 or 130 Wow. That's a lot, that's a lot wow. more understandable. Even with shipping, you're winning. Yeah. And what a lot of these guys do, like the groups, they're all bogged by it, so they'll cut down the shipping. So they'll order like a case at a time. And they'll all share it when they get there. So those, are the, those kind of stores are the ones that are keeping us going because at least a rum can get to every, every corner of Canada that way. Yeah. But definitely easier if... There's, there's other people who don't quite trust online processes. <laughs> so they would rather go into a shop and pick it up. So which is why yeah. we get into places like, you know, maybe one day Ontario or Quebec as well. Those are the yeah. big population areas too. And people with a lot more means to buy. It. Yeah, I know. I mean, we have some large pricing disparities between some states in the U.S. Like I know our friends out in Washington State have very high prices relative to a lot of other parts of the country, but I've yeah. never heard a $70 price difference anywhere in the U.S. That is, yeah. that is wild. Um, Crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Well, um, Ivar, I know uh, we had you pop in. Thank you for doing it. We'll have to have you back sometime for like a full thing. You probably yeah. managed to get on a few LCBO watch lists or something <laughs> while you're on this uh, <laughs> podcast. Um, they're, they're not listening to this. That's if fine. you don't hear from me anymore, you know <laughs> yeah. what happens. <laughs> um, well, we, we've got a, a few more Bureau questions for Carl, but, but before we let you go, any anything to, to add for, for those listening? No, I just... I I just want to say i think what you guys is, are doing is absolutely great i've always admired what you guys do and how oh, professional it is and and yeah it, it's 
we're all trying in our own little way. Everybody's different. Every blogger is different. And uh, we don't always see eye to eye. We don't always like each other. But in the end, our goal is, is the same. And that's to, to share the passion of rum and educate people on rum. And I think you guys are a prime example of how that's done properly. Well, the first place that I saw Carl on was Rum Revelations. So, yep. you know, okay. uh, you're doing great stuff as well. And uh, everyone listening, go check out what Ivar is doing at Rum Re Revelations, the articles, the videos. The sugar list, tons of helpful stuff that, that we try to point people to as often as we can. So thanks for Thank hanging you. out with us, Ivar. My pleasure. Cheers, Ivar. All right, Carl. So we do have a few more questions for you. Um, one, one of the things we wanted to get to was just, you know, I've seen the, the, the story behind the name Bira before, which is really intriguing to me. Um, but like, I found myself wanting to know more. So you've described it as kind of this all night ritual celebrated by the Shona people, which is a, a what a, my understanding is a very large group in Zimbabwe and maybe a few other countries in, in South Africa, or southern portion of Africa. But can you set the scene for us at a tip typical beer? Like how often does a beer happen on a certain day every year? Or do, do they happen at just different points yeah. in time? Like what's what's going on there? At different points in time. Usually it's like, uh, I don't know, just pick a time when maybe there's crisis or people just need guidance. Okay. When they need guidance, like it's time. So the whole family gets together, extended family, but also like if when people used to live the old way, they lived in villages. So yeah. not just the family, but everyone who's around that Eli used to come as well. So they set the scene. So let me, I have some pictures I should share with you. Okay, I pulled this off the web. I, I'm excited to see these because in my head, that exclamation point really like drives home the point that this <laughs> yeah. is like an exciting event or like something that's really lively. Right. Okay, so oh. that's a, that's like obviously it's animated. Yeah. But you see, you see, so these are musical instruments, these guards here. Uh-huh. So obviously, you know, there's a few different ages you see there, older ones. That is beer in those uh, goats ah. that those women are carrying. Okay. And of course, it's a feast. And I'll give you some real-life pictures here. Do, do you remember your first Bira that you attended? Yeah. <laughs> How old were you? That's great. I was a kid. Uh, I can't remember. Seven or eight, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, so you see in this picture here that... That's what I think kind we're, of we're still like. seeing the first picture. Oh, my bad. Oh, good. Let's see it. Let's no see worries. It. Sometimes mm -hmm. you have to like share a, like a different part of your screen. All right. There. So that's kind of like, you know, they're, okay. they're, they're dressed in traditional garbs. So if you see on our logo now, it's mm -hmm. kind of like a, a, a representation of this person here. Right. Okay. Now going back, I'll, I'll take the show. Stop shit. So going back, so the whole family comes together. So within the family, there's special people, spirit mediums that... So the whole point of the beer is to bring in the ancestor spirits into the into the home. Right. Right. So because people our people have always believed that those are the only that's the only way we can communicate to God. To change our ancestor spirits. Okay. So they come into the household and then they'll give us a guidance and the intercession and stuff. So usually one of the older people in the family is the is this spirit medium. So the music sets the tone, the drums, the the, the mbiras, of course, there's food, a boost is a party. So it's pretty lively. And then uh, you will see when the spirit comes in, the spirit really goes into a trance. Okay. Almost. So they start talking in a different voice. So that's the signal that the spirit has arrived. Wow. So now the messages are going back and forth between the living and, and gone. Maybe it's a couple needs a child or the people want guidance on, 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 their, on their farm. Like, when do we start? 
plowing and stuff like that. Like right, rain, right. rain, please make sure it rains because a lot of people don't have irrigation per se, even though they live off the land. So obviously some views are good and some views are not so good. So mm. it's all those, the same worries we all have about providing yeah. and dividend. You know. It's it's a really interesting dynamic, though, because it sounds like there's an element, like you were saying, a celebration of a party, but there's also like this real need or, or something that sprang up the 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 need to Communal have a beer in the first place. Well. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah. So so there's kind of there there might be something that isn't something people would think of as happy component of it as well. You know, yeah. needing water or something like that. So yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. How often? Does does one typically is this like a once a month? Is it a couple times a year? It could be. Are it they could be a few times? Yeah, they prompt you okay, a few times okay. a year, just okay. depending on the needs of the people. But the whole point, the, the inspiration behind it is like it's more the party element of it. It's a party. Obviously, you're amongst people who are familiar to you, your family, or your bonding. And I figured, like even outside of that environment, when we have drinks, even if we were to have drinks, I'm sure after a couple, we start to get spiritual. You know, we we talk about stuff that we don't usually divulge. Mm-hmm. Or you kind of bond that way. So right, right. Uh, that was really that part. The the getting spiritual and the bonding is what we we're trying to you know we're trying to include that on each release we do is like a celebration of life kind of thing. So that's that's hence cool. connection. So yeah. Have you brought a bottle of bira to an actual bira yet? Not yet. Oh, <laughs> that's got to be on the list, right? <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe for an extra special release or something. Yeah, like that would be a good day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, one one other thing, kind of shifting to sort of the the future, and you and you spoke to some of the releases you have coming that are in the works, the the Parallabats and a few other <laughs> things. But you know, one thing that. I think we've noticed with independent ballers is, you know, many start out with single cask releases or releases that, you know, blend a relatively small number of casts together. And then over time they, they might add in something that's kind of a more consistent, lower priced, always available type product to the lineup, or they might focus on importing other rum brands and and things like that, which, you know, I know distribution was, was kind of on your radar before you started Bira. So what is yes. kind of the what is the path ahead for Bira look like in that regard? Like, do, do you are are you just thinking kind of you know next release or is is your mind already thinking like five years down the road and and what you want it to look like? Yeah, I'm always trying to work like two or three years down the line uh-huh. as far as acquiring juices. Yeah, because um, as you know, everything moves so slowly in in the in the raw world. I'm pretty sure it's the same for all spirits like. Even just in between communicating and then uh, uh, agreeing that they'll send me samples, that in itself takes weeks. Mm-hmm. And then it, and then what happens is if we like something, then I have to get some. I have to get like a bottle's width to my bottle, and then they have to they run all these tests that uh, actually right. done at the LCBO just to make sure we're not buying poison. That's all. It mm-hmm. covers everybody. So once they give me the okay, is when I'll make the payment. Okay. And then the rum obviously comes over, and then we bottle it. But you find like there's an event and then nothing for for weeks, and then another event and then nothing. So it's yeah. <laughs> so we're always gonna work in advance that way. At least if what things lined up, I, I have a few conversations going with some 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 possible distillers, some 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 folks for the possible releases down the line. So it's all the organizing samples, getting them here, and then going on. 
as far as carrying brands is concerned, because so far it's only me who does most of the work and my wife helps me with some of the admin stuff. Mm-hmm. I have to be kind of selected because I still work full time. I work, I work on the waterfront. Ah, so okay. put that there, take that off. We organize all that on the ships and the rail and all that stuff. Gotcha. So that's why I do my spare time. And so if I was to bring a brand in, it has to be something that's not massive. Like I'm not going to be bringing in 10,000 cases or something because I don't have the capacity to, to, to watch that. So it has to be someone like some small outfit to, to, to take care of. Mm-hmm. And I do have, I'm just waiting right now, waiting for juice. I can't review or just obviously, but okay, okay. Once mm-hmm. we get an allocation, then we're gonna bring that in. And I, I'm sure that's it's 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 you guys would like it too. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. So so we're gonna do that just to help with the revenue stream. But also we that was always what we wanted to do to bring in different drum, like drum that's completely different to what we have on the market. Yeah. Something special and unique. So yeah, we got that and. I'm working on the, uh, like, well, for the lack of a better word, a wild rum. Okay. Because of my situation in, in Canada, like I explained before, with right. I'd be unable to bring in bulk rum. And I have to fight, get it bottled outside of maybe in the States or in Europe. So okay. that's also in the works too. Okay. So this is so something one, that, that, that you can kind of sell, you know, more to bars and restaurants, things like that, lower price point that they can go through right. a lot of it, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, I'm working on that too. So I don't know, maybe by the end of the year, we'll have something organized, but we'll see. Yeah. What, what is yeah. the difference in approach? Like I'd imagine kind of like figuring out what that rum's going to be. Your mindset for that has to be a lot different than, you know, the, the types of releases you've been doing. What's, what's, what are kind of the biggest challenges with that type of release? I think it's obviously cost. Yeah. Right. Cost. Cause really that realm you're competing with the big brands. But it's cost and it has to be different. That has to be selling point. Otherwise, you might as well not do it because you're not going to beat the big brands with the economy ones. So maybe I'll be asking for another $10 on top, but it's got to be worth the outlay for them, right? Because right. like, mm-hmm. there's no other rum like this. So it has to be something very unique. So yeah, that's yeah. the thought process right now. The other, the other thing from this conversation that's still kicking around in my head that I've just like been thinking about as we've been talking about everything else is this unaged Fiji rum because yes. once you brought it up I was like yeah I I, I think the L'Esprit bottling which I never had but I saw mm-hmm. it you know that's like the only time that I've seen that before and I'm just like why hasn't there been you know a high proof unaged Fiji bottling for rum nerds because just the other night I finally got to sit down and try all of the SBS Origins bottlings right. together which you know it's this wide selection of interesting it's, unaged rums from all around the world and an unaged Fiji would have fit in perfectly with that and I'm just like right? oh, what is it you know someone <laughs> someone needs to do this you know yes Different. Carl's Carl's like settle down Will because I'm still trying to figure this out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I'll, I'll shut up about it now um well, Carl, we have a, a tradition on the show, um, something that we call the rapid fire rounds, a nice celebratory way to end each of these interviews, masterminded by my co-host, John Gulla. And um, it's always... <laughs> masterminded is a strong word. All right. <laughs> it's always, you know, you're not giving yourself enough credit here, but um, <laughs> it's it's always presented as an optional portion of the show. So I'll, you know, are, are, you, are you up for it? Yeah, let's do it. 
Okay. John, yes. you wanna you wanna give the instructions? <laughs> yes. All right, Carl. So our rapid fire segment is essentially I'm going to ask you a bunch of very quick or short answer or either or type questions, and you sure. give me the most brief, succinct response that you want. There are no rules. Technically okay. speaking, so <laughs> right. you know, I just said all that, but do what you want, and mm-hmm. uh, and we'll see how it goes over the course of sixty, mm, sixty to ninety seconds. Usually is where we run, so mm-hmm. uh, we'll try to run you through the gauntlet here. Right. All right. If we're ready, I've got sixty seconds. You ready, John? I'm ready. All right, and go. Okay, Carl. Neat or on the rocks? Neat. Okay. Column pot or a blend? Pot. I saw that one coming. <laughs> Aged or unaged rum? Depends. Ooh. Which is the right answer. Fair enough. I agree. Yeah. All right. Cane juice or molasses? Depends. Also depends. Yeah. <laughs> are we in, are we in Quebec? Quebec or not? You know. Quebec. That's true. <laughs> this is going to be a tough one for you, Carl. But I'm, I'm I'm putting you through the grind here. Rugby or hockey? Rugby. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I can't, I gotta answer that. Rugby. Is there any rum cocktail you enjoy that uses real Canadian maple syrup? Um, a daiquiri version? Oh, yeah. Oh, that works. Da- okay. Yeah, that all works. Right. It could be yeah. like a beer exclusive. I mean, we could make it a thing. Um, <laughs> all right. So we, we talked about beer. It has an exclamation mark after it. But it, it, I want to ask, if someone wasn't sure whether or not they were drinking rum from a beer release, wouldn't they then have to call it beer with a question mark? At the beginning. Carl's like, oh, no. man. No. <laughs> Who, in your mind, Carl, who's the greatest rugby player that ever lived? John Allum. All right. I know nothing about rugby, so that works <laughs> we'll for me. We'll take your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Canadians have a well-known reputation for being apologetic. And I know you're you're not Canadian by birth, but you've been there for a while. So having lived there now for a, for a good while, what is something that might be rum-related that you think Canada maybe should apologize for? <laughs> For the barriers. Exactly. Right. I feel like Ivar is yelling from somewhere. He's listening to this going, yes, the barriers. Um, um, Should there be a Bira event in Zimbabwe to get rid of the LCBO or maybe at least loosen the Canadian restrictions of rum over there? That's on the cards. You need the help of the cards. All right. And finally, in 10 seconds or less, what do you think makes rum the best spirit in the world? The community. The community is, is excellent. I have instant friends all over the world because of rum. And you that's time. That. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. All right, all well, right. done, well done, Carl. Sir. Well, well done, sir. Well done. Well, Carl, this was awesome, and it just has me excited for what's to come from Bira, and it also has me excited for just, you know, all, all you, there's all these barriers up there in Canada, as we talked about, but that hasn't stopped someone like yourself from starting an IB up there and bringing all this cool rum in. It hasn't stopped Ivar from, you know, becoming one of the most well-known rum online content creators out there. And he's <laughs> sitting there living in like the middle of this oppressive rum state, I feel like, up there. So Canada can't hold you guys down with the uh, the barriers oh, up there. You guys are, yeah. are, are bringing them down yourselves. It's really cool. But yeah. uh, before we let you go anything to add anything we didn't cover anything you want to let people know about what's coming up next from bureau as i said yeah we got like our new releases coming up we've got the two pillar bars that are coming seven year old ex cognac and one spent six months in uh in the bourbon cask and then with a 15 year old tropically aged venezuelan coming too 
Yeah. So those yeah. are this year's projects. And Very and the cool. MOBA and the Fiji, those are still on shelves in, in Alberta and British Columbia as well? Yes, we still, we're moving along. Yeah, We have them still. So yeah, they're still available. But you we'd have to come there to get them. So yeah. we have, <laughs> come and we grab have to find our way there. <laughs> come and grab them. Well, thanks again for stopping by and hanging out with us on a Saturday. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. everyone thanks so much for listening to another episode of the rumcast if you want to learn more about bira and everything carl's got going on up there in canada we will link to bira's website in the show notes we'll also of course link to rum revelations evar's website so you can check that out all kinds of great stuff on there that we've mentioned on the show before so just jump on in explore you'll find something interesting but in the meantime if you have any thoughts on Bira, if you're one of our Canadian listeners out there, right into the show, tell us what we missed in this episode about Canada, or maybe if there are other interesting distillers that weren't touched on, let us know what's going on out there. We'd love to, to hear from you. Yeah. You can email us, host at rumcast.com, or you can find us on social media. John, where, where can they find us there? You just use the at symbol. This is the A with the circle around it. I don't know if mm. you're familiar with that, Will, because you're not on that social one. media very much. The I think it's on the, the it's on the number two key on the keyboard, right? Yes. You just hit uh, shift un- under, and then over. two, and it's the at symbol. <laughs> okay. At the Rumcast, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can get us there through uh, DMs or leave a comment. So that way, everybody can talk amongst themselves, and and we can see what your your thoughts are on Canadian rum and the rum scene and Bira and Evar and rum revelations and all of that. And daylight savings time, because apparently <laughs> I learned that Will loves daylight savings time, and he's wrong about that clearly because You're daylight really savings time needs m- to go away. Mischaracterizing my my take there. All I said was. <laughs> Like most people who go through it in the U.S., I express that, you know, I thought it was stupid and we should do away with it. The the only thing that makes me second guess that a little is that if you look at what the hours of darkness would be like at different Mm -hmm. places in the U.S. Mm -hmm. if we did get rid of it, a Mm -hmm. lot of places across the country, this isn't just Nashville, a lot of places, you'd be having some mornings where it's going to be dark out until like 9, 9.30 in the morning. I don't know. To me, that's it's a little depressing oh, thinking about perish that. Perish the thought. I, oh, I, no. I, don't, I don't love, you know, being up for a couple of hours or, you know, I, I generally wake up around 6, so I don't want to be up for three hours and it's still dark outside making me feel like I'm waking up at 3 a.m. I'm just saying we need to consider... What? We need to consider the pros and cons of both systems is all I'm saying, okay? We did we did consider the pros and cons. When and I told you this, when I told you that you were like I didn't know about that. So you literally just learned about this, okay? I'm just saying, let's have the conversation. Okay, all right. I, I will give you that. Uh, down here in Miami in the tropics, we see about the same timeline of, you know, light to dark. Do you know that? Part. Do you know that for sure? Like if if they got rid of daylight savings time, are are you 100% sure you know exactly what it would be like down there in Miami? 100%. Because it, it might be dramatically different. No, no, it'll be fine. All right, um, I'm going to I'm going to look into this. I'm going to come back next episode with some daylight saving time you, facts you. For should. You, okay? you should. Absolutely because clearly you're in the wrong here. No, I don't I'm, I'm very it. uncomfortable that you're making me out to be this like uh champion for keeping daylight savings time. All I said was, you I'm, know, I'm just saying that's what it sounded like. You sound like you're capitulating right now. No, so. I'm just saying there there are some cons to to getting rid of it that that a lot of people would have to experience. But there's also some really interesting research that oh. because of daylight saving time ben Franklin. And, Go 
no, ahead. This yeah. is this is the other side of the argument. The amount of like traffic fatalities and all yes. kinds of stuff like skyrockets exactly. around. Right. Oh, you're Heart saying attacks. exactly like you already knew this. You didn't know no, any of I this. Did. No, I did. No, I did absolutely. Oh, how come you yes. didn't bring it up then? How come you didn't well, bring I, it up? Until I was going to bring it up. Oh, if really? You, let you were going to. Oh, you were too gonna. busy okay. defending your 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 precious point. Um, but yes, heart attacks go up, strokes go up. So it's not only like traffic fatalities because people are tired, it's also yeah. physiological. So there is definitely something to getting rid of this. And you're right, there's pros and cons to everything. I'll give you that. That's fine. But I think there's more in the nighttime to drink good rum without it. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, my point <laughs> is when when people argue against it, it's usually they just they hate that when it gets dark early, you know. And so yeah. the flip side is it, it it can stay dark a lot later in the mornings. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, also a lot of people probably die because of daylight savings time. So you know maybe we should get rid of it. So mm. you know, okay. I think we've talked ourselves to, point. to to agreeing. So. It was my point. You're just trying to retroactively be like, oh, I knew about all the statistics and everything. No, it was so. just my unspoken point, but I appreciate that you vocalized it. All right. So, well, this is what great. you get when you listen all the way to the end of the episode. <laughs> so I hope everyone enjoyed it. And uh, I think by the time our next episode comes out, we will have passed daylight saving time. So enjoy your <laughs> extra hour of daylight, everyone. All right. Until all right. then. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.